Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and I am joined by Anthony Irwin, who is being evaluated on an episode-to-episode basis. <laughs> How are we doing, Anthony? <laughs> I would have been fired like three months ago. <laughs> like, I think I started, I think I started strong, you know, brought brought my value to the to the feed. You know, we, we thought about letting been... you go and then you had those episodes with Aaron where he delivered all these wonderful stories and it's like, maybe we can yeah. keep on. And... The, the hook, like, saved my job for just a little bit longer. And then people were like, well, what if we had the hook, but with a better host next to Aaron? What if we did that? <laughs> what if David Fisdale hosted the hook next, <laughs> next to Aaron? <laughs> I mean, we laugh, but this is legitimately, so I was, you know, look, it winds up not being that close of a game, you know, Pacers basically went up by like 10 points and the Lakers got within six and then it just kind of expanded. And Mm -hmm. what I was laughing, I was laughing out loud at and risking waking up both Avery and Jen as this game was coming to an end, the Pacers had it won. Like it was, it was over. There's like 30 seconds left. They technically didn't even have to take a shot and they were still isolating on Mellow. Like they were still, they were still <laughs> attacking the mismatch, trying to get to Mello, and like the game was over like three minutes ago, and they're just they're just still doing it. Um, but what I was kind of like marveling at is, you know, like uh, Demontis Sabonis hits like a three pointer and puts the Pacers up, I think by like four or five, and if you know the Lakers just knocked down a couple more of their threes and uh-huh. DeMontis misses that one. And the Lakers squeak out a one point win against this Pacers team. Would that have been, would I have looked at this game any differently than I'm looking at this loss? I'm saying no. And somehow that's the difference between Frank Vogel remaining employed tomorrow or 15 minutes from now. I don't know if they're going to let him do the post-game press conference. I, oh, he's doing it right now. He's going off. He should He should do, like, he should go hit him up. Like, he really should. Like, um, he, he was asked about why Russell Westbrook finished the game on the bench, and Frank said he was playing the guys I thought were going to win the game. He also got hurt from what I heard. Like, Cooper, he, Cooper Frank didn't was say at, that. Yeah, Cooper was at the game, and he said Russ subbed out and immediately went back to the training room. And I don't know if, like, Frank sent him there and said, Hey man, you're done for the night or, or what? Like that's worth looking into as well. Um, yeah, I don't, I, he should like, he should subtweet Polinka for this roster. He should subtweet, uh, the, the locker room politics that would lead you to playing a starting Dwight Howard on, on Kurt Rambis's, uh, advice. And then be co-hosting the hook. Alongside. Yeah. <laughs> White Howard or Kurt Rambis. I don't really. As if, as if my online activity isn't questionable enough, we're going to introduce Kurt Rambis into the mix here. (laughs) And then like, we're, 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 you know, you're, you're, you're saying, all right, fine. You know, Vogel is, is, is on the hook for some of these questionable decisions. Like the leaning on Avery Bradley is, is a constant trend here, but the 31 minutes for Mello, I think is like the, like, that's honestly how I'm going to remember Frank is, is, you know, I, it's a, it's a bad decision Mm -hmm. and it's impossible to isolate who is actually responsible for that decision. 
And it's going to be Frank Vogel who pays for that decision because literally the difference between last night or, or two nights ago against Utah mm -hmm. and tonight against Indiana is Carmelo Anthony was just awful out there. He did not look good. He wasn't knock knocking down shots. They were picking on him every chance that they could. He wasn't rebounding the ball particularly well committed. I, I thought it was a stupid tech, but you know, got that M one and then gave up an extra point on top of it with, with the, with a bad tech that the referee gave him. It was just, it was just, and, and he stuck with him and he stuck with him and he stuck with him. And Stanley Johnson goes from somebody that the Lakers were singing his praises after that Utah game to he what did he like a, a Twitter series of questions about Stanley Johnson today, leading up to today's game. Yeah. And then, all right. So he plays 16 minutes. 16 minutes. And again, like this is kind of how I'm going to look back on the Frank Vogel, especially this last year of the Frank Vogel era, where is he, are these decisions that he is making because he thinks that they are the best for the team or are they decisions that they, that he is making because they are the best for his job security. And, you know, I'm not saying one thing or the other, I'm saying I legitimately don't know. And that's basically how I'm going to remember Frank Vogel. Oh, so we're at the point where he is not returning for his job. Oh. Like Frank Vogel is not making the Grammy rush. <laughs> you don't, you don't crap on Russell Westbrook. If you think you're sticking around like this is over. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's quite a parting shot for Frank Vogel. Something that he hasn't really done. He never really takes it out on the players, but that is uh it's what it says something about how infuriating yeah. coaching Russell Westbrook must be. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, just this whole roster has got to be infuriating to coach that you have this overlord, you know, whose wife happens to be best friends with the Lakers owner who's telling you to like play big when we have three years of data that Russell Westbrook thrives in small lineups when there is spacing and he is your primary offensive engine because, hey, we're supposed not to make we're supposed to not make LeBron do everything anymore. <laughs> but no, we're going to cramp everything as much as possible. Put in like theoretically a non-spacing four too, because good lord, Trevor Riso looks bad. Uh, <laughs> like when they were talking about Trevor Riso like being a part of a Lakers championship team, I'm like, it was 13 years ago, and we decided the very next season that he wasn't the best guy for us to repeat. <laughs> the very next season, <laughs> and yet somehow, <laughs> yeah, we've come full circle back to this point. No, Ariza not only is going to be a part of a Laker team that wins a title. He's the linchpin. The key variable that allows yeah. the Lakers to play their very best identity. The keystone, man. Like we have, we the, the Lakers built this Roman archway, <laughs> and Trevor Ariza is the thing that is keeping everything together. That he's him and Kendrick Nunn are the are the pieces that we're missing all year from the Lakers becoming a juggernaut. And and like, yeah, I mean, it's just so it's it's this season has been so disheartening because like, you know, <laughs> can you think of a better summary of this season than the feel good win of the season? Like everybody was living on cloud Ooh, nine. Happy Stanley Johnson, this homegrown story yeah. playing for the home team. One of the very best walk-off interviews I've heard from a Laker in a long time. Just yeah. how happy he was. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is like shooting finger guns at people on the front does row. Does lobbying like, on the floor. Gets yeah, the Russell Westbrook Gobert. even did little things on the court. Like, yeah. <laughs> and 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 you go from that to not twelve hours later. Actually, Frank Vogel was coaching for his life. <laughs> okay, all right, 
And then, and then to this, right. And then, and then again, like, again, talk about a perfect, you know, amalgamation of this season. First half, super fun. Lakers are running, they're doing their thing. You know, they're, 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 they're getting the Pacers up out of there. Wouldn't you know, the small lineups are having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Although I thought Dwight was pretty good tonight, you know, until I, I thought second half Dwight, like this was actually another note that I made from this game is like, Dwight looks pretty clearly frustrated with his role. I think, um, I think Dwight is clearly team Rambus, uh, team Rambi. Um, but, but I, (laughs) but, but you know, the, the, uh, the Lakers in that first half, you know, until about six minutes or so to go. And then you got, they broke one of the rules, right? Russ THT and Bradley all on the court at the same time. And you finish that, that first half. And instead of going into the half with, a 10 Double or 12 lead, point yeah. lead or, or maybe even expanding on it and being up 15 or 16, you're, you're instead up by six. And then you start the next uh, half with a bad starting lineup. And that six point lead dwindles down to a one or two point deficit. And then LeBron sets is this is the tough part like that. Like that's just that. That's how, that's how the Utah game went. And by the way, like I criticized on the, on the lowdown, I criticized Frank Vogel's coaching on the lowdown for this exact thing. It really reminds me of, in football games where a smart team that knows they're getting the ball in the second half will do whatever they humanly can to get the ball one more time at the end of the, of the first half to try to go out and score and try to, you know, and then, and then get the ball again and just run off a two score run that the other team can't really say anything about because of the way that football is kind of structured. That's what the smart teams do. The Lakers did like the Mike McCarthy thing Let's where like it away. <laughs> you give the ball to the smart team. We're at midfield. We have like maybe fourth and short. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Instead of like, yeah, and it, it, exactly. You, you, you punt the ball away and then you give them the ball also take one to of start your own the second half to set your defense. <laughs> <laughs> right. We got to make sure. Exactly. You got to make sure that the punt team, you know, the one that always drives me insane in football is where, all right, if you are going to be that kind of conservative, mm-hmm. you, instead of like just taking a delay of game and giving your punter more room, the coaches who call timeout, because they have to be in charge of everything. Oh gosh, the coaches yeah. who call the timeout just be like, uh. good job team. Way to go, everybody. It's just Mike McCarthy. Like it's basically, it's Mike McCarthy, Mike Zimmer. Like this is the, you know, Speaking of I, Mike's, this used to drive me nuts when Mike Brown was the head coach of the Lakers. There was a little thing that he would do where he would never let the game go. Like the Lakers would be oh down by gosh. like 15 points with four minutes yeah. or so left. He'd keep the starters in the rest of the way so often on the front end of back to backs. And what do you yeah. know? The Lakers would be down 12 points at the start of the first quarter very next night. It's like, great. We've wasted Weird. two games now. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I, I think. I think with Frank, I think the circumstances that are leading to his eventual firing, um, a lot of them are, are beyond his control. Also, he didn't handle that situation. I don't think particularly well. I think he, he leaned on some bad habits. I think he leaned on some self-preservation instead of just going out and doing whatever it is that you can possibly do to make the team better. Because as we found out after that Utah game, if you win, it's really difficult to fire you. Like that's the part that has always kind of driven me insane is like, okay, yeah. AD wants to play uh, less center and all these things. All right, fine. Uh, or, or 
you know, Kurt Rambis thinks that Dwight Howard should be playing center. Okay, fine. But you can ignore that and then go out and win. And it's not like Rambis is going to fire you for winning. That's not going to happen. Instead, you do what Rambis asks and you get fired anyway. So why yeah. not go out guns blazing? Yeah, I mean, it's like the Andre Drummond situation last year all over again where uh, they were clearly decisions made above Frank's yeah. head that he had to follow. And it not to say that Andre Drummond was like that bad of a player, but it violated that ethos of competitiveness and like fighting yes. for spots that he had instilled mm-hmm. over the first year plus of his tenure. And it just damaged whatever locker room juju they had going. You obviously lost Marcus Hall completely. Um, yeah. And it was just he retired. Yeah, he retired. <laughs> It was a big thing. <laughs> Mid-season, he retired. He was like he had you know, one epic double revenge game against the Toronto Raptors. Now, <laughs> one of one of my very favorite games, to be clear, of like the last ten years of Lakers basketball was Marcus All going guns blazing against the Raptors. Just delightful stuff. You think um, he he chugged an entire bottle of rosé after that game? <laughs> the way he did at the at the parade in Toronto. Oh man, LeBron is now speaking. Uh, He said, I don't think we played poorly tonight. I think in the fourth quarter, a guy got hot and exploited our game plan. Uh, Uh, Coaching staff has been great. They've put us in position Mm. to succeed and we have to take Mm -hmm. care of business. There's no blame. Um, Not going to address the rumors about Vogel. If you got something to ask me other than shit on somebody, you can ask me. Okay. (laughs) So. He gone, uh, you know. It's honestly nicer than I thought LeBron would be about Frank in this situation. So, well, LeBron also is very passive aggressive. Sure. So like the, the biggest, the biggest thing to take away from the quote that you just gave there was, I didn't think we played poorly. So if you lost and the players didn't play poorly, he or also said they, the coaching staff put us well, in a position to succeed. But he also though said that they took advantage of some of their game plan. Right. No, like, he just said uh, the guy got hot, right? Yeah, he the guy got hot, and I thought you said that he took advantage of some of the game plan. Oh, yeah, he did exploit our game plan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like LeBron is never going to come out. sound and... like the coaches put you in position to succeed. <laughs> yeah, right. But but like, again, it's about spe- like it, uh, George Sedano and I joke about this all the time. It's like speaking LeBron and and like that was LeBron is never going to come out and say, oh, yeah, you know, we wish him well, all this stuff. He's never going to come out and dump on him. Uh, but, you know, I would have thought the same thing about Frank because I never would have thought he would come out and, and, and body check Russ. So I don't I Look, one fun thing that I always, I always enjoy in my own kind of sick way after unsuccessful seasons from all over the league, not just the Lakers. Um, the Lakers, I, I have a better understanding of clearly than like all the other teams out there. Sure. But like, I always love after seasons that don't live up to expectations, the uh, CYAing that takes that takes place immediately <laughs> after it ends. You know, like the explanations and the leaks of whose idea what was and who was doing this and who was doing that. Um, and the fact that we got there before the All Star break here with this Lakers team is kind of wild. And also, again, in my own kind of dark way, because. I laugh at the meteor as it crashes into the earth is I, you know, I I can't help but chuckle at the subtweets that happen as the head coach departs. Yeah. I I will miss Frank. Um, I thought he did just a wonderful job coaching during that 2020 postseason. Um, I, 
that that 2020 postseason, I, I don't know how I'm going to look back at it in like eight years when who knows what it will have become of the Lakers in the interim, but that was just a great season, 1920. I, I feel badly that there's going to be an asterisk, you know, attached to his crowning achievement because that Lakers team was so dominant during the regular season and was really in position to do special things during the playoffs three month break or not. Um, and even like the way the Lakers played last year, while LeBron and Anthony Davis were injured, there were so many big moments where it was like, damn, this team really plays hard, even without their two best guys. And it's just been complete 180 from that group where like KCP and Dennis Schroeder and Trez and like Ben McLemore hustling any given night. And now it's just like, can we get three guys to play hard? <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe three. <laughs> Can we string together four quarters of consistent basketball? Like what was the last ass whooping that the Lakers put on a team? Do they do that? I don't, I don't remember them having a blowout win like ever. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't think one has occurred. Uh, Russ, by the way, also it left uh, the arena without speaking to reporters. So we are not going to find out whether he was hurt, but mm-hmm. based on the way that the Lakers are kind of responding to it, LeBron was asked about uh, Russ sitting on the bench and he apparently is saying, do you think based on Russ's career that he'd be happy about such a thing? <laughs> um, it doesn't sound like it was an injury driven thing. I think no, it was it legit not. a benching. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at the, the schedule and there appear to have been like two blowout, three blowout wins all season. Maybe four, if you count Atlanta uh, last week. Yeah. So yeah, four, four blowout wins for a team that many projected to win the West <laughs> compete for an NBA championship. They started the year, either the betting favorites or just slight, they were behind the nets as the betting favorites to win the championship. This yeah. Year. Four blowout wins, five overtime games, including the triple overtime defeat to Sacramento, which may be my least favorite game of the last 10 years since we brought up the Marcus all. <laughs> this is the other end of the spectrum. spectrum. <laughs> I mean, when, so like, when Mello got that technical, like I was instantly brought up to when um, the, the Lakers were playing Charlotte earlier in the season and they had, they conceded like that six point possession because they kept getting technicals like back to back. I even thought of like when Mello did that little like pump fake free throw against Golden State on opening night and all of a sudden just like the, the lid came off like afterwards. It just felt like one of those moments where you know that if you throw the ball against the stanchion, that is going to be a technical. Like, um, yeah, I our, our think it was a week team, but yeah, I agree. breakfast, like he listed all of the things this week about like, these things get called technicals. <laughs> these things yeah. don't like, maybe it's <laughs> weird, but these are the rules that the referees abide by. And Mello, yeah. who's been in the league for 19 years needs to know you throw the ball against Stanchion. It is going to be a technical and those, they just pile up. And this, this team, like it just, they do such stupid things on the court. There's no, there's no discipline. Like, and you know, it was great that one night it seemed like, oh, they were playing for Frank Vogel's job. But nothing about this game makes me think that they were really playing for Frank Vogel's job. It was, oh, we're playing a Utah team that people think is really good and nobody likes Rudy Gobert. Maybe we should try to beat them. Like, that's what that felt like to me. That did not feel like a rallying cry in defense of their soon to be fallen leader. Um, yeah. I mean, like, again, like, it's, it's just you look for reasons to believe that all right, this is the turning point. This is the turning point. This is the turning point. It, it's exactly like the, the Dwight Mare season, right? Yeah. I remember I, I remember that season vividly where I would even get excited about Dwight Howard dunks where like, because there would be, 
one of the wildest things that I'll always kind of vividly remember about, about that season was how often Dwight would get stripped under the basket and how uh, it used to be Dwight caught the ball and it was under this vice grip and he barely needed any room whatsoever to get out and get the ball over the rim and dunk it. And that was the first year that I really saw Dwight having to gather to be able to throw the ball down mm-hmm. with defenders kind of hanging on to him, which, you know, is kind of crazy that that's the expectation with a human being, but still that's, that was his career to that point. And I remember he would have a dunk like that. And I'd say like, all right, maybe just maybe, maybe just maybe his back is starting to feel a little bit better. And then you would get like an update. Uh, Dwight is going to sit for the rest of the game because that dunk hurt. And, 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 you know, this season here is, is going much in the same way where last night you have that, or last game, you have that win against Utah and you're saying, I said it, I, I said it on the lowdown. I said, this feels maybe just maybe because of the way that they won and the little things that they did. And, and, and uh, LeBron about the lineups that work. Yeah. Right. And, and, and LeBron not needing to like make seven out of eight, three pointers and like, the fact that they beat a pretty good Utah team that, you know, it turns out was on the second night of a back-to-back and is going through some real malaise because they have realized they're frauds too. And, and like the Lakers, you know, and Lakers fans, I understood why people would push back against me and say, well, I'm not going to let my guard down because of this team. And this is exactly why the, the, the reason exactly why dropped the very next morning. it's 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 this is just who the lakers are yeah it's uh it's a frustrating team and we didn't even really touch on this game which just felt like a continuation of so many games we've watched this season which is why i didn't really feel the need to dive into too many of the details but (laughs) uh with regards to how frustrating this season is i think you and i were discussing this a little bit earlier about how it compares to some other years so let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about how this stacks up in the pantheon of Lakers suckiness. All right, we're back. So Frank Vogel, probably not going to make it on the Grammy trip for the Lakers. Um, The last time we had a mid season firing for the Lakers was the 2012, 13 Dwight Mayer season when Mike Brown got axed five games into the year. And we got the legend Bernie Bickerstaff as our interim coach for a little bit. That did not last. And Mike D'Antoni came in despite Bring him back. other pushes for Phil Jackson. Uh, any of those three names would be very weird. <laughs> very weird. <laughs> um, but as you can very common to compare this year to that year, just in terms of the expectation, the almost immediate fall from grace and a team that was constantly working its way basically back to 500 all year up until the very end when Kobe had a miraculous push that resulted in a torn Achilles. So I think I would say that this year is better or worse than that one. I don't even really know. Like I've done so much to block that out from my memory. Spider-Man meme. Yeah. It's, it's basically the same, but you were suggesting that this season is even less enjoyable than 2014 to 2016 when one Byron Scott was head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. And Anthony, you have some very outlandish things to say about the Lakers. Let's just put it put it that way. <laughs> this one I cannot get behind, but I'm gonna allow you to explain. <laughs> All right. So again, I want to 
you know, circle back to the dark humor aspect of, of the way that I kind of live my life. Um, but I, I find myself or I found myself that year taking enjoyment in the fact that I could openly root against the Lakers because like, don't get me wrong. I hated those teams. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it was that they were created because of organizational failures and in, in signing Lou Aldang and signing Timothy Mozgov. Remember that was like the Lakers that was first. Pre, that was pre Lou Aldang and Mozgov. Are you they sure? came in the summer of 2016. Huh? This well, was, Still, when we were like chasing the mellows and the Aldridges of the world, when we saw. Oh no! Hopes. Well, no, I meant I meant more like once the I, the seasons that I'm talking about are the ones where the Lakers had shifted to you know what we are just going to like stealth tank. We're going to give Kobe 40 shots a night. We're barely going to like. I think the the year that they won their least amount, right? That was they Kobe's won, like, final year. Yeah, 17 wins or something mm-hmm. like that, right? But I enjoyed what a win the seventeenth one was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed those like late Kobe years more than this one because like I I could just tweet I don't like Byron Scott's approach to coaching I don't agree with any of it and I wouldn't have people jumping down my throat saying well actually well actually well actually like everybody was kind of on the same page of like I mean hell that was the 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 locked on Lakers as it exists right now, mm-hmm. it's starting point was as the team tank podcast back in it. It was lit. We had an entire show centered on a conversation and we would analyze the game from like, what did the Lakers need to do differently to lose? Like it was, it was fun. It was like, it was an aspect of fun to that season that just does not exist with this one. There is, there isn't anything fun about this. This team headed in with title aspirations and still, I think, there are, you know, LeBron, Russ, AD, Rob, like those guys still think that this team should be up there in that conversation to win a championship this year. And they just shouldn't. They 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 shouldn't have as soon as you trade for Russell Westbrook, you, that that expectation goes out the window cuz you can't win a championship with Russell Westbrook making 44 million dollars. Like that is that is I, I can promise you guys all right now we have not seen it to this point. We will not ever see it <laughs> moving forward. It's not like he's getting better. And it's just this this season, just it hasn't been fun. There isn't like an aspect of this that I can, you know, point to and say, hey, this is this has been great. Like you could say, all right, Austin Reeves, like that's been kind of fun. And and I mean, some you are parts the foremost Austin Reeves hater in our selfish screen roll community. <laughs> that's also fair. But like, but like he um I like Carmelo Anthony, I think, you know, at home has been fun, you know, and, and, and all of that though has to do with expectations. We, but like, it's hard to say, all right, I can enjoy this pocket of the season because I had zero expectations here when my actual expectations and aspirations for this team and for the Lakers on any given year that they have LeBron James were championship, our championship, and they just aren't going to get there. So I never expected those teams to be any good. So why not just laugh a bunch along the way this season? I can't even laugh. Yeah. So here, here's where I come out on that. Um, losing sucks. It, it just does. Even yeah. when you're rooting for the team to lose because of the tanking odds and goodness gracious, it was grueling to have to wait through those whole seasons. And then the lottery to figure out, are we going to give the pick to Philly this year? Is it going to happen? <laughs> if we give the pick to Philly, that means another one goes to Orlando. I hated that. I hated rooting for losing. 
And it wasn't even like we were really watching this development of younger players, because as you pointed out so many times, the Tyler Renneses of the world and the Ronnie Prices got minutes over, you know, yeah, that's Eagle true. Russell and Clarkson. And yeah. Julius Randall misses his whole first season with a broken foot and Kobe guess Kobe's playing never at home, only on the road because he wants to make sure that like all of the road arenas get to see him again. I yeah. bought tickets to multiple Laker games that year did not get to see. Him. Oh. <laughs> um, and- I resold mine. I think I resold mine at one point because it looked like he was going to be playing that weekend and he wound up not playing. So I, I sold him as soon as we got any hint that he might play. So I, I, I was able to come out ahead at least and, and not take a complete loss. Yeah. So the, the idea of watching Kobe that year didn't even really work out that well because he was so compromised, right? Like he was yeah. clearly playing to get to number 20 and like that version of Kobe was not Kobe, right? Yeah. What Making way too year? much money. Yes. The Lakers are barely 500. Um, it's still so many more wins than they had. <laughs> we have already passed the number of wins they had in 15 or 16. And then we also get LeBron James who admittedly not Prime, LeBron James. like actually good LeBron James, really good LeBron James, like yeah. that reverse oop that he had that Malik Bunk threw earlier today. Like, but that like, that's a source of frustration does. for me though. Like that's with, Le- not, with Kobe. It's not LeBron players faults that everybody around him sucks. It's LeBron James fault. Sure. But we've talked about this before, how it's hard to separate those two, you know, iterations of LeBron from themselves because he is responsible as much as almost anyone for the way this team is constructed. Mm-hmm. He's so good. He's he is. so good. He is. And like, the yeah, value of watching him on the court to me is still so much better than anything that we had in those 10 years. All fair. But LeBron being this kind of good and knowing that he and the Lakers or the Lakers and he, whatever direction that you want to prioritize or, or list power rank, the people who deserve blame here. Um, the fact that the Lakers are wasting a good LeBron year sucks. Yeah. And like, like the, the, that, that Kobe year, I knew he blew his Achilles. Like, and that was before we saw all this advancements where like now somehow Cam Akers, like six blow, months or eight months close blows out his Achilles in like the following week. It feels like it's just available to go. Um, it like the, we, we, you know, I, that at that time when Kobe blew his Achilles, I still remember that that day I was sitting there, I was at a friend's house and I was in college. So it was like a day of the week and I'd had a few drinks and you see Kobe's like crying and he was crying because he knew that was a death knell. Like that was it. His, his career was never going to be the same again. And so, like, after that, now it was a bummer to see that version of Kobe get paid before we ever saw him get back onto a court again. And that seriously set the Lakers back. Um, but Forty and a half million over two years, which is just a little bit more than what Russ will make next year. <laughs> <laughs> For two years of Kobe. Um, and, and so, like, you know, that, that aspect of it where, like, the Lakers were just kind of strapped um, financially in, in terms of their flexibility – like, I think Jake Fisher reported in, in his book or, or or at least on my show at one point that like Melo and LeBron kind of sort of were OK, were, were interested in coming to the Lakers. But the Lakers didn't have enough room to sign both of those guys and pay Kobe's salary like that kind of sucks to find that really out. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but but like 
in terms of expectations heading into those seasons, like that's a, we always do this with MVP awards. Like Steve Nash has two MVP awards and Shaq has one because one guy is a six foot white guy. And the other guy is a gigantic superhuman. Like that's, that's how this works is, is with, when it comes to expectations that paints all of our analysis in this season, my expectations now, Mine were lower for everybody else. And I hoped to God, by the way, with my lowered expectations, I was wrong. I was hoping that like the, the Lakers would go on some crazy run and I would like hop on Twitter every day and be like, I'm sorry. Like I would sign that stupid sign up sheet that, yeah. that Zane. My apology first. letter to LeBron. Yeah, my right. yeah, like my I apology disrespected to- LeGM, you know, yeah. all the scouting. <laughs> right. I would have signed that happily if I was if I was wrong. Except like that's not how this is gonna turn out. My lowered expectations, like it, it's the meme, right? I had low expectations, but holy bleep, it's that's that's what this season has been. And so, like, I would rather, I would rather go back and relive that 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 crappy seventeen win season because I knew they were going to win about seventeen games, and it was a good thing that they won those. Though they only won those seventeen. Do games. you remember the year where they? I think it was 14-15 where they were so bad all season and then went on a five-game win streak at the end of the season. <laughs> but like if I remember correctly though, they won and they went on that five-game winning streak because Jordan Clarkson finally started like starting. Something like that. Like, there was like a little uh Jabari Brown happening. <laughs> yeah, like there was nothing, there was nothing more. And look, those seasons weren't great. Like we're talking about the worst seasons in Lakers history, and this is up there for me um in my lifetime. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about like, it wasn't incredibly fun to go back. There was just more fun than this. Um, and there was nothing worse than the Lakers winning some stupid game because Ronnie price got a stop down the stretch. Like there was, there was nothing worse than seeing like Jordan Clarkson sit there on the bench. Um, while, while Ronnie price would help uh, lower the Lakers lottery odds back before the lottery odds were flattened by the way, too. And there was more on the line because the Lakers picks were all like top three and top four or five protected. So like it was, it was, there was, there was something to root for. And I can't realistically root for a championship this year because I just know it's not going to happen. What are you? All right. Honest question, Serena. What are you rooting for with this season? I have no idea. A playoff series win. <laughs> like a win in a playoff series? No, no, no. A playoff series win. That's what I'm rooting for. Look, I lost championship hopes pretty much opening night. Yeah. I I got myself a little excited about, hey, homegrown guy, Russell Westbrook. I'm just a sucker for that story, like over and over again. LeBron goes back to Cleveland. Candace Parker goes back to Chicago. Stanley Johnson comes to Los Angeles. Like, I'll do it over and over again. But <laughs> just the first game, Westbrook was so bad. I was like, oh, this is not going to work. Like the Warriors, I didn't even think were that good. <laughs> Admittedly, the Warriors are better than I originally yeah. anticipated, mm-hmm. but I basically lost championship expectations that night. And so the rest of the season has just been like managing the expectations of the people I watch yeah. games with. And that has been a much more challenging task. <laughs> We've finally gotten to the point where nobody else expects anything. But I don't want to be yeah. just, you know, an entrant into the playoffs. And then like last year, that sucked. I want to win one mm-hmm. playoff series. I think it could happen. I don't think it's like the favorite outcome by any means. They need to they need to win more regular season games. That is correct. Um, at this point, like you know, within two weeks, I would be saying I just want to win both playing games. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I said two. <laughs> <laughs> two game winning streak to end the game end season. Yeah, whatever happens, ha- 
All right. I, 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 other, the other thing that I'm also kind of curious here, if those are your expectations and the Lakers, um, though I'm kind of hearing that, um, the Lakers might not do it tonight. I don't, I don't know what they're waiting for. I wonder if Frank is going to be kind of embarrassed. <laughs> oh my God. Do they like take him on the road and then fire him midway through the trail? Where does he live? Like, where does, does he His live in family lives in Manhattan? Doesn't like, didn't they move? Yeah. So are they making a trip to, well, Manhattan beach or like Manhattan, Manhattan beach? I'm like, sorry. Yeah. Oh, well, I speak as if everyone sense. lives in Southern California and this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> but like, all right, well, I thought maybe if like he lived in New York or something like that, they could drop him off when they play the Knicks. Yeah. I was about to say the Pacers <laughs> are the end of their trip, but that's the end of the Clippers trip. That's my mistake. Yeah. Um, no, they already went to Indiana. Right. That he, was an he, unnecessarily dramatic game as well. <laughs> there's no reason uh, for him to continue to live in Indiana if he's making professional basketball coach money. Sure. What do you think happens with the rest of his career? Like that's the, I was walking I, into my I office don't and think this is a stain on Frank Vogel's legacy by any means. No, not Rick at all. Carlisle is going to make one of those impassioned speeches that he does when coaches get fired about how yes. it's in, you know, insanity. Dan that Van I, Gundy's already like putting together a Twitter rant right yeah, now. I, I think I saw part of it on uh, Mark Stein's latest post about the Lakers, <laughs> but yeah. Rick Carlisle is going to make a speech about how a championship winning head coach was put into an impossible situation, like not even given the luxury of getting what two full years after winning a title before he was shown the door. Um, it's like a disgrace to coaches everywhere, blah, blah, blah. And the Kings or somebody's going to hire him next year. <laughs> <laughs> so the Kings is a good one. This is what I want to see. Like, could Frank Vogel actually get the Kings to play defense? Could it happen? No, not a chance. You don't think so? You think the Kings no. stink is bigger than Frank Vogel's magic? I mean, we're going on 20 years of yeah. not making the playoffs. There's like that is organizational. Where Frank Vogel is like just like a middling team where Frank Vogel could be effective. Like well, who like, are I, you looking for a head coach? Well, here's the thing. Like if if you are like a you know, an okay team or a good team that just that thinks that there another step needs to be taken to to vault yourself a little bit higher. Like, or if you just want to troll, that's also kind of fun. Um, you know, like I'm gonna sign Frank Bogle, go after Andre Drummond and yeah. KCP and Kuzma and free agency. <laughs> like, I wonder if if Ime Udoka doesn't work out, I don't think he gets fired after only one year. But yeah, just might go like, to Boston. Portland like, hadn't fired Terry Stotts, like that would have been an interesting spot once Stotts yeah. got fired. Uh, yeah, I but I, I but I he definitely coaches again and I mean, it's going to be really interesting. It's 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 also it's also kind of tough though because he has had three stops now. He's won a championship in his last one, and that almost always gets you another opportunity. Um, but you never get you, fired after winning a title unless you're Ty Lue. Like, that's yeah. it. He's also, the only head coach you know, to have been fired by the team that he won a title for. Was that that was Cleveland then, right? So. Yeah. Wonder what's what do those two situations have in common? I'm trying to figure it out. Rod was a Laker by then. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to, trying to, you know, piece apples and apples together here. Hmm. <laughs> like we can just call LeBron a coach killer. Like we're allowed to. He does not like the head coaches. <laughs> yeah, like he does. He does not like this head coaches. A miracle. The Mike Brown lasted as long as he did in Cleveland, that first guard. 
a miracle. Well, that was before LeBron really realized, oh, hold on. I could run organizations. I can do this. I can yeah. Do this. And I mean, also, yeah. And also, <laughs> and also, like, I bet young LeBron wasn't as, like, willing to be aware of, oh, I'm just smarter than all these guys. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's that's the case. And I think that's kind of what he keeps running into. The problem, the problem with LeBron and coaches is that, like, he may not need a head coach. But the other 14 guys around him tend to need a head coach, right? Like he is, he can just go out there and run the LeBron offense and it's going to be a really good and efficient offense when it has to be. Mm -hmm. But like for somebody who cares so much about like the Lakers or whatever team he's on, not falling apart when he's off of the court, like you kind of have to care about coaching if that is something that you're going to prioritize. But I'm rambling at this point. I I think I I, I I just heard Rambus. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. Um, I, I, I legit feel bad for Vogel. I do. I, I, I really think uh, this was a, a, a kind of match made accidentally in heaven, an accidental match made in heaven, however you want to phrase it. And, um, and it worked out and they won a championship together and the front office immediately ran in the opposite direction of the identity that won them a championship. And, you know, that identity that won them a championship, it wasn't like Frank, like was super flexible to match the identity that won them that championship. It was, it just like happened. He still started JaVale McGee for three games against Houston. (laughs) Right. I mean, it took, it took, it took till game six for Caruso to start. Right. And, and, and in the finals and, they went up by 40 points in, at one point in that game. Weird. And, and again, like this is a, a, another example or, or, or another, you know, note to make when you're trying to do like a final analysis of Frank Vogel is that like, he is not Greg Popovich. He is not Phil Jackson. He is not, you know, the upper, upper, he's not even Eric Spolstra. He's not in that like upper echelon of coach. He's a good to very good coach. And, and he has some fatal flaws. You know, we saw it with some of the lineups that, that he went out fighting with, right? If this is, if this, he can say after the game or before the game that, oh no, I'm not aware of any of this extra pressure. He can say all of that stuff, but he knew. Uh-huh. Like if we know, he knows. And if the players know, he knows. And so he, like, it was extremely telling to me that like Avery Bradley is somebody he's really going to lean on. And and Carmelo Anthony trying to appease the politics of this is, is something that he's really going to lean on. Um, like that, those are his instincts. Makes me question his abilities as a head coach too. Like we can do that. Both, all of this can be true at the same time. He can be a good to very good coach. And it can be incredibly stupid that the Lakers are firing him given the roster that they have and given the fact also like the roster is one thing, but they're firing with Anthony Davis out. Like that's still going to be the case. Jeannie bus came out and said earlier this year that they did not want to make any kind of decisions on coaching until the Lakers are hundred percent healthy. They're like 70% healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like it, it can be stupid that they're getting ready to come out and fire this guy. And he can also not have done enough to protect his job with the pieces that he was given. All of that can be true. Um, you know, it just so happens Twitter is, is not exactly the, um, the birthplace of nuance. Yeah, that, that's sort of where I stand, where he was put into an un, 
unforgiving situation this year where the roster was built seemingly without his consideration and the way <laughs> not that- just not just without his consideration actively trying to piss him off and like we talked about that how because of how good Frank Vogel is a defensive head coach and all of the struggles the team had offensively the last two years they thought why don't we try to bring players who are offensively minded who can be coached up on defense like I understood the thought process behind it mm-hmm. but again it was a it was a set of circumstances that Frank Vogel probably would not have chosen, but he didn't do the best under that pressure. Like he did mm-hmm. not rise up to the challenge the way that one would have hoped. And yeah. again, I don't believe that deserves to have him fired, but I also don't think that the way he was running the team was going to make the Lakers win a championship. So, yeah, I think that's also fair. I think I would probably agree with that. Like if he is still leaning heavily on Avery Bradley in the year of our Lord, 2022, <laughs> Probably not a championship level team. Like that's probably not. You're probably not going to win a championship. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I. I think. And then also, like another point that kind of occurred to me after the game also was, all right. If when they fire uh, Frank Vogel, the coaches, uh, the options on the staff to take over are going to be probably between David Fisdell and, and Phil Handy, right? Not famed shooting coach Mike Penberthy. <laughs> He's like Lakers Lane Kiffin. The rapid rise of Mike Pender. Yeah. <laughs> that literally would be like Lane Kiffin, right? Like the third option among all of the other coordinators. Goodness. So, like, I, I, I'm sorry, Mike. Like, <laughs> that was really mean. But, but like, I, I, um, no, Lane Kiffin has made a pretty good career for himself. You do you, Mike and Lane. Stay the hell away from the Vikings, though, Lane. Um, but like, for, for, for the Lakers, in their choices for moving forward, if and when they fire Frank, to me is another statement again that like is it 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 really shines a light on the Frank Vogel tenure, right? Where where we don't know who's necessarily responsible for what choice. We do know that Anthony Davis really likes Mike Penberthy for whatever reason. Such a weird sentence to say, but okay. Boy. Um yeah, we do know that like LeBron probably really wanted David Fisdale. And, you know, okay, I get it. Given the time that they had together in Miami, Um, the Lakers had at one point a pretty, you know, they had uh, who's the, who's the, I guess it's just those four, right? So Frank Fisdale, uh, Penberthy, and who's the fourth coach on the bench? Why do I always blank on the floor? Sometimes doesn't he? Well, he's their two way head coach. Um, (laughs) Pioneering a new form of head coach. (laughs) The new, the a new level of cheapness, like <laughs> it'd be like Harrison asking me to write a recap. Um, but like, uh, if if man, at some point I'm going to remember who the fourth head, uh, who the fourth uh, assistant coach is, or the third assistant coach, but the fourth coach on the on the front seat of the bench. But like for for you know for the Lakers' options here to only be some. No, Handy. That's the other guy. Duh. Handy. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's, it's, I just heard it's it. yeah. Frank, Handy, Fisdale, and Penberthy. Yeah. Right. That's your, that's your four horsemen that are riding into the apocalypse here. And, and that your options are only going to be probably between Handy and Fisdale based on the stuff that we've heard. Like, I'm sorry. That's incredibly uninspiring. 
And, you know, you look at all of these other situations and, you know, and, and the coaches who have had success, they're hotshot assistants who are really good on one side of the ball or the other. They, and, and I don't think you can really say that I handy is the best developmental coach in the NBA. So he is elite at what he does, but a one-on-one type of coach in this kind of situation, I don't, I don't know how that's going to go. And also, by the way, handing over the keys to a rookie head coach, given title aspirations and given everything that the Lakers are dealing with in the situation he's stepping into, that doesn't seem like a great way to set somebody up for success. And, and, you know, I, it, I don't know if it was all Vogel, how much of Vogel it was putting this staff together, how much of that was Polinka, how much of that was LeBron or AD, whatever. And again, like it just, that's basically what I'm going to remember the Frank Vogel era for how much of AD not wanting to play center was uh, responsible for some of the lineups that we got last year. How much of, you know, uh, the Andre Drummond's, uh, you know, promises uh, and, and the promises made to him uh, played a role in in basically uh, exiling Marcus Gasol. And, and then now with, with whoever takes over, as uh, uninspiring as that choice might be, again, I don't know if that was Frank. I don't know who that was. And we're just kind of left with like, uh, all right, I guess we're just here now. Yeah, I think you and I have been having this conversation for years, really, about how little the Lakers have invested in assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that was a point of contention with Luke Walton that he kept picking his buddies instead of people who are actually good at the job. Um, Jesse Mermy's the god. <laughs> interim head coach in uh, Orlando for a moment when they had uh, COVID protocols. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at some point, that just seems like an area that the Lakers are not investing, that they don't yeah. care to build up their assistant coaching bench because. Uh, I mean, honestly, the Lakers coach, don't like, coaching too. They don't like, you know, cycling between head coaches, but apparently they don't yeah. like putting any quality people next to them either. And it's like, we talked about the, the levels of suckiness across these years of Lakers basketball. And so many of the same themes repeat themselves because the same people are in charge and yeah. the same people have influence. Like Kurt Rampus was around when Phil Jackson was around and Kurt Rampus was in Jeannie Buss's ear a long time ago too. Yep. Uh, so was Linda Rambis. Rob Palenka has been around there too, because he's with Kobe Bryant the whole time. Um, nothing has really fundamentally changed. All that happened is Lakers mm-hmm. got LeBron James and LeBron James tend to make everything look better. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately LeBron made a big mistake this off season by agreeing to bring in Russell Westbrook. And yeah. that has, you know, we, we did the rush show last week. It's fine. That has suffocated a lot of what is happening around the Lakers. Uh, so although if you believe Frank, <laughs> it's just like, I'm, I'm glad that Frank is like defending himself and saying, I tried to play the lineups that I thought were going to win us the game. You played mellow. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't go out and say like, you know, I stuck my ground. I took Russell Westbrook out of the game because he was damaging us. And then I also played Mello and a drop defense. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Well, the good news was Mello was on fire from deep, right? Going 0 of 5 from three-point range. Like, clearly, Mello was in a rhythm, and you got to stick with the hot hot hand, I guess. Um, yeah, I, it's just – look, it, the point that you just made is, is, is a central one to – if you're trying to figure out, like, why the Lakers are where they are, it's because the same uh, inept people – incompetent people continue to make the same decisions and they're never held to account for the mistakes that they have made like that. That's look, 
what on earth, like set aside the Linda Rambis aspect of this, right? Like, cause I, I, I think my mentions stray way too far into sexism for my liking when we talk about Linda Rambis. Um, but let's just highlight Kurt, right? What on earth has Kurt Rambis done ever? Like when he was a Laker and he was a popular Laker, I think he averaged like five points a game. Like he was, he was not, he was Clark Kent and he was this like culture guy uh, who, who like, you know, I, I guess lined by Kevin McHale yeah. and yeah, I got it on the money. 5.2 uh, points per game for his career in, in the NBA. Um, so clearly not an incredible player was an assistant coach on Phil Jackson's teams, but like, I don't recall ever thinking to myself, Oh, Kurt Rambis is the guy who like Tex winners put this triangle offense together. Um, yeah, I, Brian I believe Chow was his lead assistant towards the end of those. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so like Kurt was just kind of there and then he goes to um, Minnesota and was an outright disaster was like, he didn't play Kevin love for some reason, which was super weird. Oh, man, and then I forgotten about that. Yeah. And then he went to New York and it didn't get any better when he was in New York. I know. And he was like relieving Derek Fisher or something, wasn't he? Yeah. He was like the, he was the interim and head uh, interim uh, after. Yeah. I think after Fisher um, was fired, I think he went one and nine in his time. Like usually you get a bump when you fire a bad head coach and, and that team got worse when, when Kurt Rambis took over. So like nothing about his actual basketball resume, nothing about it whatsoever would ever lead me to think like, okay, this is a diamond in the rough who needs to be telling Frank Vogel how to run his rotations or even worse, because like we have also heard by the way, like LeBron really enjoys playing center and like Rambus is somehow potentially overriding LeBron. And, and so like, yeah, I, you, 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 you try to figure out like, what is the central issue with this Lakers organization? And it's that like, it all kind of falls back on, on Jeannie and her reliance on, on closeness and familiarity over actual adequacy. Yeah. And and that's, and and that's not changing. She's not selling and she's, she's not going to be so embarrassed by this. Is she like, tells her best friend and his and her husband to like go away. That's not going to happen. It was one thing when she wanted people who she trusted and was close to back in 2017, when she was ousting her brother. I understand that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Magic and, made sense. Yeah. And then I, she like, had a perfect I, opportunity when magic quit and yeah. set the whole operation on fire on his way out to reset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect opportunity. Right. She chose to double down <laughs> on the familiarity of it all. Yeah. Uh, and this is, this is where we are. Um, Apparently, Chris Haynes is reporting that uh, the Lakers will not be firing Frank Vogel after this game. Still evaluating on a game-to-game basis. So Frank survives. Anthony survives. The Lakers did not. <laughs> and uh, we'll nothing changes. Yeah. Like no, it's, <laughs> It just gets dumber. How are they handling a firing poorly? How are they like? I mean, unbelievable. think of how poorly they handled this hiring and this all starts to make sense, Anthony. It's also true. It's also, <laughs> maybe they got to buy him a birthday cake. After they offered two other people the job. <laughs> maybe they got to get, the, the, we'll know Frank is truly fired when there's a picture of him with a birthday cake 
on the Lakers official Twitter account. Oh my God. Yeah. Third choice. Apparently they even went after Juwan Howard too. That didn't work out. Um, they wanted him to be a lead assistant, forced Jason Kidd upon him, all that. They made him like answer for Magic Johnson's sins at his opening press conference. <laughs> like, when you think about oh my God. all that the Lakers have put Frank Vogel through. Dude, he has like lost mercy so much hair. <laughs> he has lost, like, he has aged like a president. Yeah. <laughs> like, since he's taken over for the Lakers. And I totally get it. Yeah. I just I feel bad for him. Um, I don't think it is tenable to keep him around for the rest of the season with the way that the front office is dealing with him. Um, someone has to get axed before the end of the season. I would hope that it would be Rob or Kurt, um, you know, before the trade deadline that worked out really well five years ago. I thought that that trade deadline went quite smoothly, actually, even with an interim front office that had been on the job for four days. Um, so maybe we could try that again because we love just repeating the cycles past Laker days. Right. Yeah. I, it, so like from now on, every time the Lakers lose, like we're going to have to get some report that, the Lakers aren't going to fire him. This is what How happens is this when you say the guy is on a game to game basis <laughs> when he is coaching for his job every night. And yet somehow coaching for his job and this loss was not enough to get rid of him. This well, was bad. <laughs> Sabrina, we learned that he was on a game by game basis after they won their biggest game of the season. <laughs> Think about how ass backwards this is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> on the one hand, we feel like we understand this team and all of their mistakes and the pattern of behavior that has been exhibited since Genie yeah. Bus took charge. On the other hand, is batshit crazy and it makes no sense. <laughs> no, and we I'm understand sorry. it because we know that they're bad at this. Yeah. Like we <laughs> we can I we can identify like what mistakes that they're making and what mistakes what mistakes they're going to make because they're bad at this. Like and we can do it remember, all in real time. Like we don't even do need hindsight. The, do you remember the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones? Oh, I never watched Game of Thrones. This is uh, going to go over me. Oh, all right. Well, I, I can't give you the analogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So you've heard of the Red Wedding, though, right? Like you've you've heard the 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 um, allusions to it. So I uh, so the Red Wedding was something that was actually kind of crazy um, culturally because book readers knew that that was coming mm -hmm. right book readers like we knew we had read that we had lived through that you read anthony i i did read well i the, the audiobooks <laughs> are actually really good <laughs> they do the voices <laughs> so <laughs> so i knew that the the red wedding was coming and and it was actually like this really interesting thing because nowadays we spoil everything like the um the show that um Man, I'm going to get flamed for this, but um, the show that uh, Issa Rae did, right? Insecure. She, insecure, yeah. That was getting that was getting spoiled. I didn't even watch the show, but that I knew that it was getting spoiled, like as it was happening, right? I had I had the real world uh, challenge spoiled to me before the damn thing aired. I had people <laughs> saying, "Hell yeah, CT one," you know, and I'm like, "What? What? How?" <laughs> um, and so. Uh, it, um, it was wild with, with Game of Thrones because the Red Wedding was coming and nobody spoiled it. Everybody, all the book people sat on their hands 
And a lot of people actually like filmed their loved ones, like living through that moment for the first time. And, and it was funny. It was such an interesting uh, way to experience that because as you're watching it and you can actually see it off of the page and the kind of detail that that show allowed us to watch the, the, the book series, you could see like, Oh, that's how we arrived at, at the red wedding. Cause if, if you're reading it and you're just kind of immersed in the first place, like, and you get to that crazy moment where at a literal wedding, people are getting murked, you right. know, um, like I, as you're reading it, you, I actually like had to go back a few pages and, 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 or well, I guess hit the back 30 <laughs> seconds a couple of times. And so like, so I, I remember, and, and then you see that and you can see like, Oh, I can see how this turned out the way that it turned out. And I think the Lakers as they currently exist is a lot like that, where, if you know the mistakes that they have made are going to continue to be made, you can predict the likeliest outcome because nobody is being held to account for the mistakes that they make. So like, if you know that they bungled hiring Frank Vogel and they, and you know that they bungled empowering Frank Vogel while he was their head coach, then you probably also know that they are also going to bungle firing the guy in this kind of situation, like he has to walk back into that situation now with Russ. What the hell does, how does that go down? <laughs> I cannot remember the last time a head coach benched Russell Westbrook. I can't. Um, I don't think it's really happened. To be I, fair, the Wizards weren't really in a situation where they needed to, not fighting yeah. for a ton last year. Right. Uh, he was good on the Rockets. Mm hmm. Probably when he did. moved to center. Yeah. Yeah. When he moved to center. Exactly. He was good. Uh, yeah. Wrecked the Lakers on one occasion when he was at center. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it is an uncomfortable situation. It has been an uncomfortable situation. Uh, I'm happy everyone is speaking their truth at this point and airing all of their grievances publicly it makes it far more entertaining from our perspective. Uh, but I, I feel bad for Frank. He's a good coach. It's much better than the seems like a good the, dude. The coach he's, he's of the Lakers who nice enjoyed guy. watching more than this group. Um, but <laughs> such is the case when you have expectations, right? Um, someone has to take the fall. Does not appear that the one who is most responsible for the situation will be taking the fall, but that's not how this works. And we've gone on for over an hour talking about this stupid, stupid team. Waiting for this guy to get fired. Stupid, stupid team. Only to be given a notice that, hey, not happening today. He's going to get on the plane to Orlando. Maybe we'll do it there. You're going to fire him at the scene of where he won his championship. Oh God. Even can go to Disney World afterwards. Have a great time. <laughs> uh, I, I can't do this anymore, Anthony. I can't. No. 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 I have to record show. another show after this. Um, maybe, maybe I will rename the show by next week, depending on how the Lakers <laughs> have performed by then. This is the now, I Love Frank Vogel podcast. Still, I love basketball. This has been Spring Merchant and Anthony Irwin. Make sure you're subscribed to the Silver Spring Roll podcast because we talk about the Lakers a lot. And we'll talk to you next week.